Hi there, and thank you for joining me on the Greyhound Guide. My name is Cody McCullough, and I'm your host. This is a special edition episode where we are having our sport business panel, which is hosted by the MSSM program, the Masters in Sport Management program, along with the SBPA, which is our Sports Business Professionals Association. During this episode, we will be interviewing four individuals from the Indianapolis sports scene, people within the Big Ten Conference, USA Track and Field, and also CEO and a business development manager. So I hope you enjoy this episode, and if you do, please go back in our episodes, check out the special edition women's panel, which is from a few months ago, and I hope you enjoyed the discussion. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dr. Mills, assistant professor in sport management program at UND and advisor of the newly formed Sport Business Professional Association at this time. I want to thank everybody who made this event happen, including the SBPA board members, our program director, Dr. Van Sickle, and graduate assistant for our master's program, Cody McCullough. Last but not least, our awesome panelists. Now I'll turn it over to the president of SBPA. Well, welcome everyone to the first annual, first annual uh, University of Indianapolis Sport Business Panel uh, presented by the UND Masters of Science and Sport Management Program as well as the USBPA. Uh, to start off, I would like to ask you all to have your microphones muted. Uh, you keep the camera on and off, but just be ready to listen a little bit uh, throughout this evening until you enter uh, your personal breakout rooms that you guys uh, recently selected to pick with the registration uh, for our individual speakers later. So. Uh, so we got for start off, uh, we have Chris Alhoff, Altoff, uh, the Associate Director of Branding for the Big Ten Conference. Uh, Chris originally joined the Big Ten Conference in 2015 in his current role. Uh, he designs uh, graphic materials for marketing and promotion efforts surrounding Big Ten events and championships, while also facilitating a venue production for the Big Ten football championship game and the Big Ten men's tournament and Super Saturday and additional duties, including serving as the conference liaison for the Big Ten equipment directors. Uh, helping man is a conference uniform logo program and overseeing the Big Ten license program. Uh, Chris started his career at the University of Miami in 2013 after his GA position uh, at the University of Illinois. He will also want, also was a uh, men's basketball manager from 2006 to 2010. Uh, he also graduated from Illinois in 2010 with a bachelor's in marketing and completed his master's in uh, SMGT sport management from Illinois in 2013. So second, we have uh, another Indiana guy here, Sam Elmore. Uh, he was a business development. He's a business development manager for the Indiana Sports Corp. Uh, Sam joined the Indiana Sports Corp in September of 2018 as a business development manager. Uh, in this role, Sam focused on a patron and membership revenue as well as event sponsorship and ticket package selling. Uh, he will also help with sponsorship fulfillment and engagement. Nine years with Pacer Sport Entertainment, uh, serving in various roles. He spent seven years at the group and events uh, specialist working to generate group revenue for the Pacers and Fever. Sam recently finished a year in his new, newest role with the Pacers Sport and Entertainment as senior group of event specialists. Sam graduated from the University of Indianapolis with a degree in sports management. I want to give a little shout out, Roll Hounds right there, just had to say it. So uh, next we have Greg, Greg Strimwell, president and chief executive officer for the Indy 11. Uh, Greg is the president uh, for Indy 11 professional soccer, including helping lead the new 11 park development project in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, he has an extensive background in media and broadcasting as the former president of the Canadian Broadcast Corporation. He was heavily involved at the 2016 Rio Olympics, 2018 Pyeongchang Olympics, 
He was also appointed again for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics as the chief day mission for all broadcasting elements. In addition, he has also acted in the official uh, ambassador role of chief day mission for CBC Radio Canada with the International Olympic Committee. He was also done for work partnering, partnering with the National Hockey League. Prior to joining CBC, Mr. Trimble was the chief executive officer of Curling Canada, the uh, national governing body for the sport in Canada, where he led all negotiations with TSN RDS for long-term broadcast and media rights deals. In other roles, Mr. Trimble was the CEO at an Alpine ski resort, was a director of bobsleigh and lunge, and uh, vice president of sports services in Calgary Olympic Development Association, now Windsport Canada, with extensive experience in hosting dozens of national major national and international events. He also serves as a chair position in, for the NCAA, Canada's Sport Hall of Fame Selection Committee, and a voting delegate for the World Curling Federation, International Bobsleigh and Skeleton Federation, and the International Lunge Federation. He, was a, he has a Bachelor's of Commerce from Western University, an MBA from the University of Maine, and an MS Ed in Sport Management from the University of Miami, Florida. And he was recently completed a Harvard Executive Education at Harvard Law School. And finally, we have Norman Wayne, General Counsel from, uh, for the Chief of Business Affairs and the President of Sports Circle Indy, um, Chief of Business Affairs. Wayne oversees the USA Track and Field Legal Department, negotiating all contracts, managing corporate governance, handling anti-doping matters, overseeing the litigation, managing the athletic representative, et cetera. Before arriving at USA Track and Field, Wayne worked as a vice president of corporate legal affairs at the Finish Line Incorporated, a publicly traded billion-dollar mall-based specialty realtor operating nearly 700 stores in 47 states across the country and online. Prior to Finish, prior to Finish Line, he spent time in the business and legal affairs departments and writers and artists agency Incorporated a Los Angeles talent agency subsequently acquired by Partigram. He, he held stints at Fox Sports World and Big Shot Films internationally. He also worked for a private practice as a litigator in Santa Monica, California. Wayne currently serves as the Association of Corporate Counsel National Board of Directors, ACC, and an international professional organization for an in-house attorney with 30,000 plus members employed by over 10,000 organizations in more than 75 countries. Wayne served as an inaugural chair for the newly formed ACC Sports and Entertainment Committee. He also works as an adjunct professor teaching sport law at Indiana University. Wayne graduated Phi Beta Kappa from the University of California, Berkeley in 1992 and received a JD degree from the Pepperdine School of University of Law in 1996. So to start off for tonight's questions, I'm going to start off with Mr. Elmore. So for so any, any all the speakers can join in on this. Uh, what experience has led you to the job you are currently in right now? Great question, and um, really, and I'm about to be visited here by my little daughter. She's getting ready. <laughs> Sorry, but um, my experience has really started off um, in college at the University of Indianapolis. I volunteered for the Indiana Sports Corps. It's all right. I volunteered for the Indiana Sports Corp um, as a ticket office. Sorry about that. Um, I volunteered in the uh, 
the box office for the NCAA regional that we had when I was in college, um, as well as I volunteered um, as a part of the Division II Swimming and Diving Championships for Indiana Sports Corp as well. Um, and that was really my first kind of introduction to the Sports Corp from that volunteer um, experience. Um, but then in my times with the Indiana Pacers, we have a very close relationship with the Sports Corp in terms of using our facilities and everything like, well, using their facilities, I should use my there a little bit and um, through those interactions I got to meet several members of the staff and when a unique opportunity arose for me to join the business development team I decided to, uh, to go ahead and transition over to other sport court and also being from Indianapolis and everything like that being able to represent our city and um, and really be a part of the major events that makes our, our city special is uh, something that really excited me there so those are some of the experiences that led to uh, me joining the sports court. So Chris, with the Big Ten, how did you get to where you're at with uh, with coming from a different state in Illinois? Um, you know, I, I think for for me, long term, uh, you know, I was kind of born into college athletics. Uh, I was born in Greenville, North Carolina, because my dad worked in athletics in East Carolina. I grew up in Bloomington, Illinois, because my dad worked at Illinois State University, and so I always kind of wanted to work in college athletics. Uh, when I was an undergrad, uh, I did an internship with the Missouri Valley Conference, and so I, I always knew I kind of wanted to get back to working for a conference. So I was down at Miami uh, for about two and a half years, and had the uh, I was fortunate to, to be able to do a lot of work with uh, with them on the uh, the graphic side, even though I was working in events. And I always kind of wanted to be more on the external side. So luckily, a position at the Big Ten opened up on the external side, and so it's been. You know, coming up on six years now since that. Uh, but it, it, like I said, I, it's always it's always been something I've wanted to do is is kind of work in sports, uh, just because it's it's what I grew up with. That's a good response. I liked that. And then Greg, what about you? Being that you're from from a, a different country like Canada, how how is that transition? How does those experiences kind of uh, hold value to you? Being that you're here in a small state in Indianapolis in Indiana, like how does that how does that differ for you? I grew up in Boston, so, you know, while I spent a lot of my work career north of the border, met my wife there, and both my kids born there, at the end of the day, I feel like I've, um, I've had the best of both worlds, right? I mean, uh, uh, growing up in Massachusetts, playing hockey for Team USA, and um, really learning various systems, but you, you really do start to globalize when you go into a different country, two different official languages, French and English accordingly, and then a lot of the sports work that we did, certainly in the last role with uh, with CBC, 8,000 employees, a very large organization, you get a little lost when you're leading that many people. We had 19 different offices around the country, but uh, most of our sporting events were, were worldwide, right? Whether it's international track and field championships or MLS or World Cup or Olympic rights, winter and summer. And I love that. Uh, unfortunately, it took you away from your family quite a bit. It was one of the, one of the downfalls of the, of, the, of the most recent job before coming to Indianapolis. but great experiences you know the networking opportunities and really the way to see different cultures and different ways that countries and sports organizations do things which aren't always the same as what they might be in North America and that's been a great learning opportunity along the way it's a great response well for the next question Mr. Wayne I'm going to start off with you what does a day in the life of your job look like for you before COVID and after COVID oh geez I mean uh, it's been kind of crazy because um, of everything that's been happening. I mean, before COVID, it would be doping issues, um, contract work, TV deals, sponsorship deals, um, you know, that kind of thing, working with our agent program, 
uh, corporate governance. I sit on the governance commission for our International Sport Federation World Athletics. So um, have, you know, uh, business that we tend to with the International Federation. Since COVID started though, I mean, it's been about, you know, trying to get an assessment, you know, what does this mean for our workforce? Do we need to do a reduction in force? How do we start planning for contingencies and return to play? How is that different at the elite level? Which are the athletes that, that are competing and training for the Olympics? Because, I mean, COVID hit a couple of months before the Olympics. In fact, we had our marathon trials those actually took place in early March, um, but the track and field trials hadn't taken place. And so <clears throat> we had a lot of our athletes reaching out. They were getting concerned because they felt that they were at an unfair advantage where other athletes across the globe might have had access to facilities that they would not have otherwise had. And so the pressure was ratcheting up. So working with our, our partners, our stakeholders, um, our sponsors, you know, trying to make sure what that's going to look like. Uh, we had uh, commitments on the television side that we needed to uphold. So there were a lot of things kind of in the air um, <clears throat> that we needed to work through and then start the planning for, you know, what are things going to look like if we can get out of this pandemic? Um, what contingencies do we have, which we're still kind of working through right now with the Olympic trials coming up in a couple of months? You know, making sure we can get athletes from their homes to the local airport in Oregon, and then how do we get them from the from the airport to the ho to the hotel, and then the hotel to the the stadium. So I mean, there's a lot of different you know issues that come up. What happens if the the trials get canceled before they actually take place, or in the middle of actually taking place? How do we deal with selection for? Um, the, the team that's going to represent the United States in track and field at the games in Tokyo. Well, it sounds like you have a lot on your plate to work around, so at least it's keeping you busy at that point, huh? For sure, absolutely. Well, speaking of busy, I know, Mr. Elmore, you actually were a part of the NCAA tournament being a part of Indianapolis. Uh, so how what did your job look like, and what was a day in life for you during that little time period that we had to go through all that craziness? Well, it's uh, kind of threefold with, with uh, our role with the sports court in terms of business development. Um, for us, it was a great opportunity, um, especially once we found out that we were gonna actually be able to have fans and venues and things um, to really show our, our corporate supporters, our sponsors, people that really help fund our organization um, and really take the chance to, to recognize them for um, all of their services. We did a lot of hosting, we had suites and different types of tickets um, that we're able to offer to those folks to really give them a, a, a show our appreciation for their financial support, as well as um, to let them be able to see the events firsthand. And um, really that's a, that's a big key to the relationships that we're building um, within our organization without <clears throat> Those relationships with the city, with our corporate partners and everything, um, we really wouldn't have been able to pull this event off. And um, being able to have them have access to pretty much all the different games, including the Big Ten Championship game as well, um, was a really unique opportunity for us. Um, for me, um, another one of my responsibilities was also um, distribution of those tickets, which um, ended up becoming a much more complicated issue than normally in the past. Typically, you would get our actual ticket inventory probably maybe 
several months in advance of the event. Um, for us, for uh, especially for uh, March Madness, we didn't end up getting that in until typically 48 hours <laughs> before the event took place. So there was a lot of, of uh, late nights, just make sure everybody's tickets were received and everyone was happy with the with the inventory and everything there so there was just a lot of that management side of things as well and then it was also um supporting our team our other team members as well we had folks that were inside the bubble folks that were um, managing different portions of the um of the event in different ways so i was actually a volunteer as well um as a indie advocate where um, we had this whole um media hub inside the arts garden where all of the national media and um, local media for all the different teams from all over the country would come to the arts garden to um sorry um would come in and uh and really would have a place for them to get all the information they need provide them with coffee local foods and also kind of point them in the right directions of like hey where do we go to get some great b-roll or who should we go to go have a great dinner and then everything like that really kind of make their experience while they're here in indianapolis something really special that's a good response i like that it definitely uh captivated a very big uh highlight of something as big as this it was very uh well done from everyone that was part of it i know probably some of you everyone that's on this call right now they everyone had their uh, fair share of experiences of being a part of the volunteer efforts and all that such as myself great experience but why we're talking about the form of collegiate athletics so um chris so tell me about your day in the life of like what did your job look like being that uh your main part of branding for athletics but at the same time there's no fans like it's very limited so how did that what did that look like for you yeah it it, it offered some new challenges uh you know with covid we, we brought a lot of things in-house that we had uh external agencies do in the past so our department was a lot more involved uh on social media so on our end you know creating graphics creating templates uh all that stuff uh and, you know, the one thing in branding is our job is so focused on, you know, events. So like for football championship game, you know, uh, I'm involved in the production. So anything in stadium video boards during the game, but also that means all the signage leading up hand. And like you said, with with limited fans, that means we changed our signage. Obviously, we're not going to, you know, uh, deck out the whole stadium when we only had like 5000 fans at our football game. Um, but also, you know, uh, so we shifted our focus then to, to more stuff on social media and trying to engage fans that way. Um, but that, that's been the big thing on our end is, is really trying to shift and focus. And uh, to be honest, we relied heavily on our schools uh, in our campuses and, and, you know, talking to them, you know, what's working for you, what's not working, you know, what are the things that you guys have found? Because um, obviously the, the football championship game was, was one of the first neutral site events on the college football uh, season, you know, because there was no big neutral college uh, events. It was all home games uh, throughout. So that was the big thing on our end uh, is in the lead up and the preparation for that was really just trying to to find new things new because, you know, especially back in December uh, when there was still a lot, a lot more uncertainty with COVID. Uh, that was the big thing on our end was really trying to do new things. And, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that we used to do in the past from a from a production standpoint, there's no bands, there's no cheerleaders, there's no fans for fan cam. You know, we're not going to do uh, tag board for social media there's uh so it was it was a good opportunity for us uh and then even at basketball when we had more fans uh we still incorporate a lot more school content than we've done in the past and we still had no band so uh dj Bandcamp, who's awesome who did the the final four as well uh does pacers games xavier games 
um, you know, we really had to rely on him to, you know, play band music and all of that. So it's, it was fun. It was challenging, but, uh, you know, we, uh, I can, I can speak from, from my end. I'll be glad when we have fans in attendance, bands in attendance, and, uh, just, it really just, that's what makes college athletics, college athletics to me. So we're, we're excited to get back to that. No, I agree. I know from looking through my social media and everything, because obviously I follow the Big Ten Conference and all that, you guys post and you guys are very creative for what you guys had to work with. So uh, hats off to you for being able to put out some good product out there. So the next question is going to be for Greg. So how is how has COVID affected your job specifically? Bill, right now being that you're in the middle of building a state, like in the middle of uh, creating and trying to implement a stadium and trying to figure that out. Well, what how has that affected you personally? Uh, I, I think like pretty much every industry out there, right? Sports and tenor, entertainment has taken it on the chin. I mean, let's take last year. I mean, for us, it was just, you know, the push was to try and get games underway, right? With or without fans. We have 35 professional teams across the country that played in our league last year and only eight of them were able to have some form of fans. So that, I mean, that just shines a massive spotlight. We were fortunate to be one of those eight. Uh, we, we were the first professional team to resume play in the state of Indiana, we reopened Lucas Oil Stadium. I think we we're the first number of games there for the first three or four weeks. Uh, we, we, we had our health and safety protocols of which we spent a lot of time on posted within minutes of knowing we were resumed play, but we only knew that eight days before we would be resuming play. So um, we were just happy to get a season in, even though it was a massively condensed season, obviously revenues take a hit, um, but we do feel that we put on some of the greatest uh, games in an environment that couldn't be more safe, right? I mean, everybody looks at your grocery store, your local hardware store, whatever it is, you know what, come on to an 11 game or come on to a whole bunch of different sporting event uh, matches because those are some of the the, the the safest locations to bring your families. I certainly feel that way. My family came to all of our games. This year, a little bit different, right? Now the push is, we know there's going to be fans. Now the question is, where's the race to get, you know, the stair step approach to continue to do it in a health and safe, safe manner. And that's subjective, obviously, depending on what ecosystem you live in, what jurisdiction that you're in, California, Florida, uh, Indiana, uh, there's quite a bit of variance, right? I mean, we had some clubs last year that had every one of their home games. They weren't allowed to play in their state. They had to have a home games out of state. That's, that's a challenge. Um, as I mentioned offline uh, before everybody joined, I mean, for 11 Park, for us, for those that don't know, I mean, that's a 20,000 seat stadium. We're in the midst of, uh, uh, you know, trying to build. It's a 20 acre campus in downtown Indianapolis. And uh, some of the wind came out of our sales after getting through the state house in 2019. Uh, we have our national design firm selected, ready to go. We've got our national construction firm ready to go. Um, we've got a great professional sports district area that's been approved and enabling legislation signed into law by Governor Holcomb. And all of a sudden it's like, by the way, global pandemic. Well, you don't want to be toned about that stuff. I mean, there, there, there's all sorts of other issues around the economy and unemployment and social injustice and on and on. And we didn't want to seem toned up to that to come back to the city of Indianapolis and say, hey, what about us? But now that things are starting to move forward, we are in our final selection phase of a, of a site for downtown. And I couldn't be more thrilled about that. Once those shovels do go in the proverbial ground, then we've got about a 20 month scad, construction scad to get it going and get some games underway. But uh, the first thing is first, we got to select our site uh, and then we'll be ready to go. I think once the stadium is officially put up, the, the hospitality scene is going to be uh, pretty impeccable to see what is going to come out of it. So I'm very, very, very excited for it. So for the next question, I got Chris. 
Uh, so what different aspects that you had to implement during COVID will stay once the pandemic's done? Obviously, some things have been better than others, but what different things that you uh, you and your team have had to put out and I think you, you think is actually going to stay for the long term? Uh, there's there's definitely some elements like, uh, you know, this is like minor stuff, like in stadium, like we, we incorporated like school intro videos during the first TV timeout uh, of the basketball tournament. And that was something where it gave more school content, more school feel. So we like things like that. Bigger picture things. Uh, and, you know, this was probably going to be implemented anyways with or without COVID. But uh, with our new commissioner, we've gotten a lot more involved. Uh, you know, we have a mental health and wellness cabinet. We have an equality coalition. And those are the things that we've really got to do a lot of work with. Uh, you know, with uh, our equality coalition, we had a whole United as One campaign that we rolled out with the start of football season. And, and those are the things that I'm excited about are really kind of looking outside of, of the games uh, that, you know, we've been able to be involved with and stuff that I'm really excited moving forward with. And I think uh, those those were things that um, probably would have happened without COVID. But, you know, when, when they happened, we had more free time. You know, we didn't have sports going on. So we were able to put a lot more focus uh, in, in developing, uh, you know, really important things and, you know, things that our commissioner uh, is, is really pushing for. So those are some of the, the things I think uh, just off the top of my head that really jump out. So, Mr. Wayne, being that um, the major events are starting to come up for you, so what kind of different things have you had to implement throughout your time so far with uh, as COVID's been going through? Well, I think for us, I mean, like, I'll tell you some of the lessons is the way that we're engaging with bands now, which is different, you know, we're, we're becoming more fluid in the way we do it. We're looking at different revenue streams, you know, at, in terms of the way we do business just in case so it's not always relying on um event um which is still you know a big definitely a big driver but you know there are other there are other things that we're starting to explore um we're tightening down like what you know where are areas that we could get better in like for example in terms of who has access to athletes around competition times you know kind of tightening some of those restrictions because of everything tied to COVID um, and making sure that our athletes are safe. Um, there's been a lot of focus on um, athlete mental health um, as we've navigated through the pandemic, which I don't think is unique to athletes, but, you know, um, definitely be sympathetic to what they're going through at this time. So, I mean, I think those are kind of the takeaways. Um, fluidity in terms of workforce, revenue streams, uh, approach to business, things like that. Well said. Greg, what about you? What are different things that you've had to implement during COVID but have seemed to be successful during your time so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I think just like anything, I talked about the stair step. I think a lot of things that have been successful for us that have worked and made fans and players uh, feel very protected have uh, uh, been a lot of the stuff, everything from PPE to temperature checks by certified health officials, uh, sanitization of the balls on the field, unfortunately eliminating uh, kids pre-games before, um, you know, building out a seating manifest that we all know is, is not the easiest to do when you're trying to sell in pods and you don't know whether you're going to have pod of two versus a pod of four, pod of six, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, that's been a challenge, but it almost seems routine right now. We've become so used to doing it so i'm looking forward to the other thing as we slowly start to grow those things that will continue to stay but not stymie getting some of our liberties and freedoms back and the ability to truly sit and enjoy 
with our friends and family. And I do think we are going to see those things slowly and slowly start to return and return and return. But I think you're right. I think the points have been made that there's going to be some things, even technology and some of the infrastructure that many of these multi-million dollar venues have invested in, right? Whether it's, you know, built-in heat scanners to touchless uh, payment systems, whether it's parking up and B, uh, I think we'll continue to see perhaps some a lot of a lot more options around grab and go items in the F and B industry. Um, you know, I, I think you know the elimination of lines or queues, um, uh, staggering entry and exit times. I, I think some of those things are small sacrifices that in today's world. That if it means we can have the difference of really enjoying a sporting event as we used to be used to uh, pre-COVID, I, I think many of those things are here to stay. That's and I'll a, piggyback on that real quick, just to say, I mean, like if you think back to 9-11 um, when that happened and all the new security measures that came in to getting into and out of stadiums and stuff like that and the amount of security that's that's overseeing sections of people and stuff like that, I think what Greg just described is probably going to be what comes out of this pandemic, if you will, like more grab and go, more, you know, um, touchless um purchases in food and beverage things like that i mean i think i think those will be like some of the takeaways just like the the scanners the metal detectors that you go through to get into the stadium you know have been as a result of 9-11 well said i agree to that you just never know what's going to come out of these things uh either good or bad but it's from the looks of it we're in a right in a great direction of uh innovation of how we're going to implement different things within the sporting aspect of things which is really cool to think about so for our final question before we go into the breakout rooms will be for mr elmore because he started and he'll be finishing as well um if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice what would it be to be honest um the piece of advice that i would give myself is to um more aggressively seek out opportunities to get engaged and get involved with the organizations in our area um, really, if it wasn't for an opportunity that um, Dr. Van Sickle told me about an internship with the Pacers, um, I'm probably not where I'm at today. So um, really just taking advantage of, you know, being so close to all of these wonderful um, sports organizations and sports entities um, is really the, uh, the one thing that I wish I would have done more and more aggressively went after. Because it's uh, those relationships you can build with you know, um, folks working within those organizations that um, can really speak volumes to um, getting you access to experience um, different things from internships to externships to um, mentors and things like that, that can really lead you down the path to um, and put you in a strong position to um, you know, gain a position or a job with a sports team moving forward. The uh, sports industry is something that's very um, close knit and especially here in Indianapolis. And um, as you can see here from uh, the panel that we've assembled here today, um, all of us work together. All of our organizations work together in one way, shape or form, um, more, um, some more than others, but, um, but we all have uh, an impact on one another. And um, it's those types of impacts and those types of relationships that you can foster in college that can really um, pay you huge dividends moving forward. Sammy couldn't have said that any better. So for everyone listening to this, if you're from the Indianapolis area or wherever you're from, make sure you take advantage of these kind of opportunities that are given because you never know where you'll end up one day based off the decisions that you make now. So just take full opportunity and take full advantage of it. 
Uh, Chris, what about you? What what kind of uh, what kind of advice would you give yourself? Uh, honestly, I, I would just p- piggyback on what Sam said. That that's the biggest thing for me, and that's what I always stress to people, is especially in college athletics, where everyone knows everyone. And so, uh, if I was going back in time, I, I would have told myself to to be involved in more things. Uh, I was solely focused on being a men's basketball manager, and my goal of being head manager. And like, I didn't do really anything besides that. You know, I, I hung out with friends, but like, basketball was my goal. And then, it, then I graduated and didn't get a job in basketball. And then it's like, oh, wait, what do I do? And, you know, it's the, the story I always tell is uh, the guy I shared an office with at Illinois um, heard about the open job at Miami because he had shadowed the guy at the Big Ten Championships for wrestling the year before. And so it's one of those things that, you know, uh, you never know what connection. And so you guys, especially in Indy with ISC, with all the local colleges, universities, all the events, our events, uh, um, you know, the 11, everything. There's so many, so much opportunity to get involved and build your network, build your connections. And that's something I wish I would have done more of. Uh, you know, I, I tend not to be a great networker. I, uh, you know, I'm not, I, I get a little shy, you know, I don't like talking about myself type thing. So that's, that's something I would have pushed myself to do more is really get out there, gain that work experience, uh, you know, build your connections, build your network. Uh, those are definitely things I wish I, I would have done more of, especially when I was an undergrad. Mr. Wayne, what about you? Um, well, I'm going to piggyback on that. Before I do, though, I want to thank, you know, Dr. Mills, Dr. Van Sickle, for, um, and you for including me on this panel. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, also, Sports Circle Indy, great opportunity for, for individuals to get involved and, and network. I mean, the two things for me would be networking, right? you got to develop that network. I think Chris touched on it earlier. I mean, you just don't know, you know, who you're going to know at the time you're going to know them and that opportunity is going to be there. And the other thing is perseverance. I mean, this this is a difficult industry to, to break into. You're going to have to work through 99 no's to get to your one yes. And if you don't have the perseverance to get through 99 no's, then you're going to struggle because, you know, this is a competitive industry. A lot of people want these jobs and um, there aren't that many of them that are truly involved in sports. Um, And so um, as Chris mentioned and Sam mentioned, I mean, it is a a small close knit community. I mean, you're usually, we kind of make the joke about six degrees of Kevin Bacon where it's like, you know, you're like two calls away from the person who would be able to, to, know the supervisor for the job that you're looking for and so the more that you develop that network the more you invest in it i mean right now as students everyone's investing in academic education which is extremely important but just as important is trying to make time for informational interviews trying to make time to uh, meet somebody for coffee before work after work during lunch whatever it takes where you get five minutes and you get them to talk a little bit about, you know, what you're hearing tonight, how they got their job, you know, um, and learn more about those organizations. I mean, that's that's the type of, of persistence that it usually takes to be successful. Thanks well said, again. Yeah, no, well said. Yeah, shout out to Sports Circle India as well. Very um, great organization to really kick kickstart a network network off such as this. So, and then Greg, just to finish it off with you on this question, what what kind of advice would you give yourself? You know, I won't be repetitive. I love a lot of what I'm hearing. Couldn't agree more. 
a huge fan of professional development as well. Ne never underestimate the power you can post your academic, uh, you know, tenures to continue to challenge yourselves in terms of finding ways to develop professionally, whether it's seminars, symposiums, online courses, etc. But, you know, when I heard the question, the first thing that came to mind to me is, and it sounds a little philosophical or almost corny, and I apologize for that, but I really believe it. And I, and I, I followed my advice at the time, and I'm glad I did, and it's follow your heart. You know, you, you got to believe in what you want to do. And, you know, speaking from experience, you know, I, I finished up an MBA and a hockey career at University of Maine, had a bunch of offers in the business world, Boston, New York, et cetera. I was going to stay in the Northeast. It didn't feel right to me. And, um, you know, with, with that accordingly, I, I followed my heart and I said I had to be in the sports management industry. I got a job at the Orange Bowl in Miami, Florida uh, at a young age, you know, football and tennis operations down there. Decided to go for a second master's degree in sports management to really hone that into where I wanted to go. And then I got handhunted to go to the Olympic Association in, in, in Canada. And, you know, um, you're, you're, you're a vice president of a large national Olympic committee at you know, 26 years of age. That doesn't happen for me in my career um, if I didn't follow my heart. And I'm really, really appreciative that I did uh, or else I probably would have been doing something that I felt stuck in and uh, I would have regretted it. So I would say follow your heart. Well, that wasn't as philosophical, philosophical I thought it was gonna be, but that was a great statement though, really great statement. Well, so that concludes our Q&A session. Again, thank you for tuning into this special edition episode of the Greyhound Guide. If you liked what you heard, please go back in our catalog and search for the special edition women's panel. It provides some great insight also from the woman's perspective. We also have special series within the show where we talk with, we have a sports agent series where we talk with XFL, NFL players, and a sports agent and dive into that field. We also have a special series where we talk with an athletic director all the way from high school, D3, Division II to Division One, and we're currently working on a series where we talk to founders of backyard games such as CrossNet, RampShot, and Sauce Toss. So be on the lookout for those, and feel free to view any of those on your own time. Thank you. Woo!